HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. For more information, visit Corin.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Hello, welcome to Japanese. I'm your host, Akiko Kotema, a food writer and director of the New York Japanese Culinary Academy, which promotes a deep understanding of Japanese cuisine in America. We are broadcasting live from a studio at Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn. This show is all about Japanese food and food culture. We see sushi at every daily and supermarket, but what is beyond the sushi? We hear dashi ramen izakaya, but what exactly are they? Japanese food is a still mystery for many people, so I'll try to demystify it in this program and with my cool guests. My guest today is Christopher Pellegrini, who um, is visiting from Tokyo and is uh, uh, one of the few global shochu and awamori experts. And he's also the author of the Shochu Handbook, which is the first book about shochu and awamori written in a language other than Japanese. And Christopher moved to Tokyo in 2002 and discovered the special traditional Japanese alcoholic beverages, which are yet to be known outside of Japan. So today we'll discuss how Christopher got into shochu, um, and uh, his various activities to educate people about them, and uh, where and how to drink them, and much, much more. But before we start, Japanese is available on Heritage Radio Network website, as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as a podcast. So please go to iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify, and subscribe to Japanese. And please write a review. We really appreciate your feedback. Also, if you have ideas about topics of the show or show guests, please let us know. You can email us at japanese.heritageradionetwork.org or akikokatema.com. Now let's start our conversation with Christopher Pellegrini. Hello, Christopher. Welcome to Japanese. Hello. Thank you very, very much for having me, Akiko. So it's, I'm honored to have you because um, we had your friend, uh, our mutual friend, Stephen Lyman, and uh, Chuck Miller. Oh, right, right, yeah. right. So, um, you know, you, we're very few people to have uh, shoju guests. So. Yeah, you've, and you've <laughs> basically covered everyone now. So <laughs> right? there aren't many people left. Yeah, so <laughs> it's extra welcome. Thank you. Yeah, so uh, first let's talk about your background. So you are, you live in Japan now, but where are you from originally? I'm originally from Bristol, Vermont. Mm. So not too, too far away. About mm. an hour and a half by JetBlue, I guess. <laughs> okay. And uh, I also heard you, you, you are an actor. You used to be an actor. Yeah, I'm still acting. Mm. Um, grew up on stage, actually. A lot of m- musicals. I can kind of fake it, you know, mm. I can... Uh, but in Japan, I've I've been doing mostly, well, TV dramas and movies. There was a, a quite a long time when I was doing TV commercials as well, but mm. I've kind of gotten out of that right. rat race a little bit and gotten into uh, well things that can more easily go on an on an acting resume. Because mm, I can see from your voice, your stage voice. Oh, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> 
Um, okay, and the stage phase too, by uh, the way, yeah. listeners. Um, okay, so um, now you live in Tokyo. So when and why did you go to Japan? Ah, it wasn't my idea. What? No, it, was, it wasn't my idea. Uh, my, my girlfriend wanted to work in Japan for a year. Mm. And I said, okay, sounds great. So uh, we moved there in 2002 and we've been there ever since. Wow. Yeah. So, so somehow something changed in her plan and your plan. Yeah. <laughs>、uh, she decided to go back to school and she got an MA and then she got a very good job and we were making a good community. We had good friends. We loved living in Tokyo. It was really convenient for both of us. So we haven't left.、Mm. Yeah, why not? Yeah. <laughs> and you have definitely a better subway system, too. Oh, well, oh, hands down. I mean, yeah. Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, actually, I haven't had any hiccups this time around. But yeah, it's just generally a little bit、right. easier to navigate, I would say. <laughs> okay.、Um, so, well, let's talk about shochu and aomori. So, how did you get into shochu and aomori? That's also kind of a, well, okay, I'll start from way, way back. When I was a teenager, Uh, and I believe the statute of lim- limitations has expired on this, but I started making beer in my bedroom、mm. when I was a teenager. All right. <laughs> and、uh, it was a, you know, a secret operation until my parents found out. And then they got very angry, as you can probably imagine that they would when a, you know, a 16 year old is making beer at home.、Mm. And、uh, so I turned that experience into an apprenticeship at a local craft brewery called Otter Creek. And, you know, a couple of things happened over the years. And I all of a sudden, a couple of rather unfortunate incidents actually occurred. And I ended up being the number two brewer at Otter Creek. And I was only 18. I was too young to legally drink what I was making. Oh my God. Yeah. So I was, I was really, really proud of that job. I was really, really interested in small batch. Small batch drinks that、mm. people would line up to purchase and、right. that they really enjoyed. I took an immense amount of pride in that. I was the most insufferable underage beer snob you've ever <laughs> met in your life. And well, yeah, first of all, if I were a parent, I would be very impressed rather than getting angry because, yeah, you know. well, they, they, they were happy once they saw that it was turning into a trade and I was, you know, I was really learning to do something with、mm. my hands. So they weren't disappointed by that. They were just kind of like, wait a second. How, how, why, how are you making uh, sh- uh, sorry, beer at home? Is that even possible? They were just <laughs> mystified by it at first. And then they were like, this has got to be highly illegal. No, 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 no more of that. And that was the end of that. But it turned into a job.、Mm. Uh, fast forward a number of years, and I'm acting the whole time. And then I eventually get into education.、Um, I started teaching, I taught for a while in South Korea. And then I, I taught, I also taught in America at、uh, my former. Uh, junior high school and high school,、hmm. which was a nightmare because I even had my little sister in one of my classes, which was one of the worst experiences of my life. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> her and all of her little friends.、Uh, and then,、uh, so there's education, there's acting that started as a kid, and then there's, you know, high quality, handmade, small batch drinks.、Mm. Fast forward to, to Japan. I arrive. Of course, I get interested in sake to start. I didn't even know what shochu was. I had never heard of it before.、Mm, I don't blame you. Yeah, it just was not a word spoken outside of Japan, really, or, or outside of Kyushu, really.、Mm. And I met it one day. I ran into it at a sake bar of all places, found out how diverse the flavors are, how, how difficult it is to define the category. And I just jumped headlong into it. And ever since, Shochu has been this great meeting point of my education background, my acting background, and my booze background、mm-hmm. because all three of them are coming together. I'm now trying to teach the world about shochu. I do a lot of tasting and a lot of presentations and performances、uh, related to shochu and getting people happy at a tasting. And, you know, it's, and then I've also helped make it too. So it's kind of all three of those things have come together for me. It's、mm. the, the perfect hub. For those three passions of my life. You never know, right? Like your, your girlfriend's destiny and this, like everything h a p p e n e d Completely <laughs> thanks to her. If it hadn't been for her, who knows? I mean, I'd probably be, still be making beer.、Mm. I probably would have come back to the States and opened a brew pub in the 90s. Right. That could have been another whole life of success. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. So,、um, you mentioned it's a diversity of the flavor、mm. of shochu that、right. you like. So, 
what is that? You know, you you knew sake, but what's the major difference in terms of you know why you like shochu so much? I like shochu because it can be so many different things. Uh, for me, there's a similar diversity in terms of the flavors and aromas that we often find in beer.、Mm. Right? There's so many different types, so many different grains, and so many different things can be added to the beer to bend the flavor profile in new directions. Shochu is very much like that. Now, you can't add things to the, to the distillate, but it can be made from 53 different base ingredients. So,、mm. uh, and because it's single distilled, Because you're only allowed to boil it once, meaning a lot of the flavors from the fermented mash leap into the, into the cone of the still and,、mm. are, and join back together in the bottle, you know, a sweet potato shochu is going to taste like sweet potato.、Mm. And that's going to taste very different from a shochu made from buckwheat or a shochu made from aloe or a shochu made from green peppers or a shochu made, you know, it's just. Immense. That means there's great opportunities for pairing these drinks with food. There's、mm. so many different ways you can serve them, enjoy these drinks. I just found it to be、mm. one of the most fascinating things I've ever、uh, experienced in my life.、Mm. I can see you, you as a sparkling toad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get a little bit worked up when I talk about these <laughs> it's things. It's okay, it's like I enjoy this energy.、Um, yeah, so we're going to talk about more details and how it's made and all those details too, because I think, of course,、um, many of the listeners are not familiar with. Shochu, or even not to mention a w a m o r i which we're going to discuss later too.、Okay. But before we get into that, you wrote a book about shochu、um, called The Shochu Handbook,、uh, right. which came out in 2014, and the first book about shochu a w a m o r i written in language other than Japanese. So, what is the book about? Well, it, it, as it says, the, the Shochu Handbook, it, it really is a guidebook to the category.、Uh, shochu and Awamori. Even though Awamori doesn't appear in the title, it's a very important part of the book.、Mm. And it gives a little bit of history and a little bit of market trend information and a, little, a lot about how it's made. And then some information about how to drink it, how to talk about it, how to pair it with food. And then I even, in, in I think it's chapter eight, perhaps. Uh, I make some shochu recommendations, shochu and awamori, some of the bottles that I personally enjoy,、mm-hmm. many of which you can now get in America, which、mm. is very nice to see. And then at the end, I, there's a section on you know, Japanese for shochu drinkers. Basically, you want to go out, to, you travel to Japan, you're going to go into a bottle shop, you're going to go into a supermarket, you're going to go into an izakaya. And how do you ask for shochu? How do you.、Mm. You know, how do you tell the difference on the menu? These sorts of things. So it's a little bit of a Japanese primer.、Mm, right. So and you, our listeners can get the book、uh, on,、mm, on Amazon. Okay. Yep. It's also for digital folks.、Uh, if you want the ebook, then、uh, Smashwords is a good place to get it. I don't、mm. know. Maybe some people are familiar with that. I believe it's the biggest purveyor of ebooks, especially independent ebooks that's n- not named Amazon. Okay.、Right? So Smashwords? Smashwords. Okay. I'll look it up. All right. And、uh, so, but you know, you wrote a book, and how did you study Shochu no Wamori to become such an expert? Oh, geez. Yeah. I mean, I ran into it, I think, at the very beginning of 2003. I ran into these drinks at a bar, and I was tasted through a few different varieties of Shochu by a bartender who specializes in sake, of all things. And, and I just was mystified. And I said, where, where do they make this stuff? And he's like,、uh, I think down south, maybe Kyushu. <laughs> It's like, okay, where's Kyushu? Got to figure out where Kyushu is. And I'm, I'm like, these are all shochu? They all taste so different. He's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, there's no Wikipedia page at that time. It was 2003, right? I think Wikipedia was, had been born, but it did not have an English language shochu page. That's for sure.、Mm. So I just started flying down to Kyushu, right? And it's an amazing island. I mean, it's seven prefectures and more than 200 distilleries.、Mm. It's ridiculous.、Right. You shake a stick, you're going to hit four. Mm-hmm. Four distilleries. And basically, it's more distilleries per capita than Scotland, Ireland, Tennessee, and Kentucky combined. That's, I didn't know that.、And、it's ridiculous. <laughs> yes, they sometimes call it Shochu Island. So I started going down there and I spoke zero Japanese at that time.、Oh, and I just started knocking on doors. <laughs> basically, said,、so, Can I see how you make it?、And、most places told me to, to bug off, but、mm. I, a couple of places are like, Listen, I used to work on the floor in a brewery. I get this. I respect it. Just show me how you make it, please. And a couple places were nice to me、mm. and let me see how it worked. And then it just started from there. Right.、Yeah. Well, the Kyushu people are more laid back a little bit. A little bit. Well, sometimes, yeah. yeah. As long as you're polite. Yep, it、right. works out. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, they have a uh, whole-blooded people too. Like my dad is Kyushu. Oh, really? Person. Which part? Uh, Kumamoto. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's rice shochu country. Right. Excellent. Yeah. By the way, for the reason that the shochu is made mainly in south, it's why. The, the sorry, the main reason that it. Yeah, it's made uh, concentrated in Kyushu, right? Yes. So not in the north. So oh, not you? not quite as much. It is made in all, all every prefecture of Japan. Mm-hmm. However. Uh, and this is a little bit of nerd talk, but uh, hopefully, I, I imagine many of the listeners to this radio station have heard the word koji before. Mm. Okay, K-O-J-I. Uh, it's a mold that is used to, uh, to transform, to break uh, starches into soluble sugars like glucose. And basically, the, the sake uh, strain, in which we'll call yellow koji, yellow koji doesn't really like hot, humid weather. And once you get down into Kyushu, you're definitely dealing with hot, muggy weather. Mm. And you're likely to get batch spoilage. You're likely to get, you know, oh, sorry, this is also important. Yellow koji just doesn't produce a lot of uh, citric acid. Mm. All right. In the, the, well, not just acids in general, doesn't create a lot that can help to protect the fermenting mash from other airborne nasties, bacteria and other, other things that can get in there. And they want to eat the glucose too. So, Mm. you know, you have to protect it from that. Now, colder weather, there's fewer nasties in the air. Okay. But down in in the south, in Kyushu, it's, it's, you know, you have yellow koji. It just doesn't work so well. So that that means that in the south, in Kyushu, sake wasn't made quite so much. Mm. And shochu started to kind of take its place. And also the rice doesn't grow as much in the south. It doesn't really like the volcanic soil quite as much as sweet potatoes do. Yes, that's very true. Mm. Right, so the two elements kind of, uh, I don't know which came first, but uh, lack of rice as much as compared to the north and also the koji that Mm -hmm. is necessary for shochu to survive. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. In the, in the South. Absolutely. So. Now, having said that, the first type of shochu was rice shochu. So it certainly does exist. And, and your, you know, your family is originally from Kumamoto, and that is famous for rice shochu, mm-hmm. right? Right. Yeah. So, but you're right. It's not the most common ingredient. Mm, right. Like, you know, like you said, a volcano and soil, that's the potato shochu. And oh, sweet potatoes love it. Right. I mean, they're from, they're from the Andes anyway, right? Originally sweet <laughs> potatoes. So it's kind of like, just like home. Mm. Yeah, it was... Uh, talking with the past guests that maybe in Andes, they should open the shochu distilleries because they have the perfect ingredients in the soil. I, I think that's a fantastic idea. Right. I think I think it would go very well. Mm. Um, they just need some koji. They have like, I don't know, like 4,000 different kinds of potatoes. They got a lot of different, lot of different varietals and I'm sure several of them have high enough of a starch content that they would be excellent for shochu. Mm. So maybe you're going to have a trip to discover <laughs> yeah maybe possible. that's a good idea I need to <laughs> I need to cobble some sponsorship together for that one mm. so so going back to how you studied shochu mm. so you just visited all those small distilleries I started and- visiting them I started uh, frequenting shochu bars more and more of which were popping up in Tokyo around two th- 2003 2004 2005 uh, and through those experiences was constantly improving my ability to communicate in Japanese and just kept learning and everywhere I could and trying to corroborate different details about the category. And eventually I decided, okay, I love this. I don't understand why people outside of Japan don't know about it. I got to teach people about it. So I started doing sake, uh, sorry, shochu and awamori tastings and seminars. And through, of course, through teaching, we learn. And that's where I uh, continued to find gaps in my own knowledge and would seek out that information and that eventually led to me wanting to write the book. Mm, okay. All right. So um, let's now specifically talk about, you know, you, you mentioned already Koji, but what is shochu, first of all, by definition? And uh, what are the ingredients and how it's made? Okay. So the shochu is basically, and we're talking about honkaku shochu, premium or authentic or traditional shochu. Uh, in order for it to be labeled as such, you have to you have to make the shochu from uh, the koji and uh, ingredients, and the ingredients have to be on a list of of the official fifty three ingredients as defined by the tax office. Oh, I didn't know that. There's an official list, yeah, and there's almost no fruit on the list, Hmm. right? It's mostly it's mostly tubers and grains and uh, uh, different leaves like tea, Hmm. Uh, and so it's koji. It's those ingredients, 
uh, yeast water, of course. And then also it has to be single distilled. Mm. That's a rule. Right. So, so again, you know, there are two categories, right? And ko and otsu. Yeah. And you're talking about... Uh, I'm talking about otsu, otsu, but I'm actually talking about a specific subgroup within otsu. Mm. All right. So that's like a seisho in Jap- Japanese sake. It's like a higher, highest quality. Exactly. Right. It's, it's uh, You cannot call it honkak shochu unless mm. it follows these rules. Right. So, and it's hard to make. Right. So, so if you just, you know, make... By your own, like you did when you were yeah, teenager. Right, right. You can use any ingredients, but you to can. purify... To be honkaku, it has mm-hmm. to be the ingredients from that official mm, list. Right. Yes. So the point is, though, that the shochu can be made from... As far as there's a starch converted to sugar, sugar converted to alcohol. Right. So you can make shochu from anything. Technically, yes. I mean, there's also milk shochu, which I find to be fascinating. <laughs> yeah. So milk is an official ingredient on mm. the list. Oh, wow. It is. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's special. Ah. <laughs> So it's more lactic. Flavor. Yeah, it's incredibly lactic. It has uh, a little bit of a yogurt quality to it. It's, uh, I don't know. I wouldn't want to drink it on the rocks too much. I would I'd maybe try and make some kind of a cocktail out of it. But, interesting. Yeah. But it looks uh, transparent, right? Oh, it's clear. absolutely clear. Yep. Mm. I'll show it to you as it comes out of the still. All distillates are clear when they come out of the still, right? Even whiskey's clear coming out of the still. Mm. So I have to find somewhere to try. Yeah, I, I know of a... Kind of popular brand, and of course, it's made in Hokkaido. Mm, okay, yeah, no, no question. Yeah. Hokkaido is such a milk yeah, producer. Yeah, dairy land. <laughs> right. So, okay, so the, the ingredients, and also, um, what's the percentage of alcohol? Of it tends to be around 25 to 30 percent. 25 is standard, and that's also the tax authority's fault. They basically said, oh, at 26, we're going to charge a different level of tax mm. on this. So, most people bottle at 25. Having said that, there's a lot of 30% product, especially in terms of kokuto, shochu from the Amami Islands. Uh, awamori tends to be bottled at around 30, mm. sometimes higher. Uh, you can bottle honkak shochu up to 45%. Above that, and it's no longer a honkak mm. shochu. Wow. I, could, I didn't know that you can raise that alcohol percentage so high. Yep. Um, especially with rice shochu, which has probably the best starch content of, mm. of the ingredients available. Uh, you can often get a distillate that averages out to about 43, 44%. Mm, because of the sugar in rice? Well, they just it just has a better starch content, uh, which means more, more starch means potentially more glucose. More mm. glucose means more alcohol, depending on how you, know, how you run the fermentation. Right. But the sweet potato can be even higher, no? It's, it's not so common. Actually, the average uh, distillate, like the Genshu distillate for sweet potato, is often between 37 and 38%. Mm. It can go higher. But rice just tends to give you a higher alcohol percentage. Mm, interesting. Mm. Okay. And also uh, the, the pressure mm-hmm. to distill. Sure. Like the regular temperature and uh, reduce te- the, the pressure. Regular pressure and reduce pressure. Yeah, you're right. So if you use a vacuum still, a more modern still, then you can lower the temperature at which the, fer- the ferment, the mash will boil. And that gives you a much softer uh, treatment of the, you know, the esters and the ingredients, all the organic co- compounds that are in that fermentation. Mm. And it'll be generally a lighter product okay. coming out of the other so side. So within that premium honkak shoju category, which mm. is more common, the regular pressure? I would say regular is more common. However, mm. uh, it, it often depends a little bit on the, uh, the, the main ingredient used. For instance, there's a ton of rice shochu that is, is made using vacuum stills. Mm. Uh, that is less common, however, for sweet potato shochu. Hmm. Barley tends to be about half and half. Huh. So it just depends on how much flavor you want to express. Exactly. It's one of the many choices that the distillery has in terms of creating the final product. Mm. So it sounds like the, if you're a producer, you have so many options to play oh, around absolutely. with the flavors. Absolutely. Mm. I mean, and it comes down to very, very simple things, such as do I, do I allow the fermentation to, to keep going at 31 degrees Celsius or maybe only 30 degrees Celsius? That's going to change the final product. Mm. So it's a, it's, a, it's, a big, it's a very, very difficult thing to do. Mm. It's, a very, it's even harder to do well because you only get one shot with the still. What you, what you see is what you get. You can't distill it again to try to you know, make it finer or smoother. Whatever is in that mash, that's going to be mm. the, the main backbone of your final product. Right. Is yeah. it harder than making beer, you think? Uh, 
I, I'm not so sure about that. Um, making good beer is really hard. And making good beer every year is even harder. Mm. So I think that, you know, you, you really, it really depends on the, uh, the distillery and how, you know, how much, how much, uh, what, what's, what I'm, what's the word I'm looking for? How much consistency they can get from year to year, to year often by blending. So with beer, you usually don't blend a previous year's vintage with mm, this year's vintage. It right. just doesn't happen, right? <laughs> so I would say that making a good beer consistently every year might be harder, actually. Mm, interesting. All right, that's a whole other episode we can do. Yeah, Comparison I guess so, isn't it? Beer. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right. Um, so let's talk about the Aomori, too, because okay. it's, it's even more unknown sure. to people. So what's Aomori? Aomori is... Uh, basically, shochu's uncle, I think, is a good way to describe it. Okay. It's older than shochu, mm. and it's made primarily down in the Ryukyu Islands, or what today is known as Okinawa Prefecture. And it was the result of trade with the Thai Kingdom hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And they were probably importing something like an arak, and they eventually imported the technology, the distillation technology, mm. and they used Thai rice to make their own drink. And that's awamori. Mm. And awamori must be single distilled again. It has to have a single stage fermentation using koji only. And it has to be made from Thai rice. That's a very interesting detail. It can't, mm. be, made from, it can't be made from Japanese rice. Mm. It's not allowed. So Thai, uh, what do you think of what kind of flavor it has, Thai rice? Thai rice, rice has a slightly, what's, uh, I would say it's not quite as subtle. It has more character. It often has a more pronounced nuttiness or rootiness to it. It's a little bit earthier, maybe even mustier. Mm. Um, so you'll often, if you side by side, taste a, a rice shochu and an awamori side by side, both made with rice, but mm. very different strains of rice, you'll often find that the awamori has a, a lot more character. Right. Yeah. Mm, I often find uh, the nuttiness you mentioned. Mm. Yeah, I really enjoy that. Yeah, okay. I love awamori as well. And uh, yeah, so you said that's one time fermentation. That means that uh, sake or shochu, you add uh, other ingredients mm -hmm. to the mash, like right. to the second There's stage, stages, right? right? Yes. So that's like, is it more concept? Because it's everything's uh, becomes a mash means more koji based, mm -hmm. so more intense flavor. Yeah, yeah, and and because more, you know, the the koji is being. Uh, it's not as diluted by the other ingredients for awamori. So you tend to get, I mean, uh, it adds umami, right? Mm. It's koji is, is uh, deeply connected with a lot of the depth of flavor. So uh, that's one of the major differences. Though single stage is just the traditional way of doing it. Mm. Um, as we've learned more about the fermentation process and controlling it more carefully, we've stretched out the stages in the sake world. We've done the same in the, in the, in the shochu industry. They do almost always two fermentations mm. uh, in, in the Amami Islands, sometimes with kokuto, they do a third step, uh, which is somewhat more common with uh, sake. Mm. And uh, yeah, so I would, I would say, you know, you're, you're, of course, stretching the, the influence of the koji a little bit as you add more steps. So yeah, it, it uh, inhibits the influence of the koji flavors, mm. I would say. So if you put, um, you know, the awamori and shochu, Side by side, can you tell which one is which? Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm. Awamori and sh like an awamori and a rice shochu. Mm -hmm. Oh, day and night for me anyway. It's day and night. Mm. Yeah, very easy to tell for the intensity of the flavor. Yes, think. and just the aromas that tend to be involved. If you have an aged awamori, you get a, a little bit more rootiness and a, a little bit more earthiness and mustiness. Whereas rice shochu tend to be vacuum distilled, and they tend to have light steamed rice aromas, a little bit of banana, sometimes uh, other fruit. It's pretty stark difference. Mm, fascinating. Mm. So uh, I'm sure that you visit all those, uh, you know, like the, this Honkak Shochu or Awamori made by small, mostly like family operations, I would imagine. That's so, correct. And I'm sure you visit many of them. I lost count at around 120. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. So I just, yeah, I don't know. I've been to... I'm getting close to probably half of the distilleries in the entire country. Oh, my God. Uh, well, before some of them disappear, you have to visit more. That is true. And before some of them disappear, I hope to help them mm. uh, bring their products to foreign markets so right. that you know, the disappearing issue is not an issue. Mm, we're relying on you. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe you can tell us about some of the producers that you like, you know, like uh, the conversation, how they make. 
Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big fan of all the major types. And I mean, as some people will know, the shochu and awamori industry enjoys four uh, appellations, four WTO-protected geographical indications, just like champagne and scotch have for their products. Uh, we've got satsuma shochu, which is a sweet potato shochu from Kagoshima Prefecture. We've got ikijochu, which is barley shochu made on tiny little iki island. There's only seven distilleries there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could, you could basically, that, I, that island is really small. You could, I don't know, you could lie on your stomach on a skateboard and paddle across the island in like, <laughs> in like two hours, and you would have passed seven distilleries. Mm. Uh, really, really good style. And then you've got Kuma Jochu, which is from Kumamoto. That's a rice shochu mm-hmm. using the waters from the Kuma River, one of the three fastest in Japan. And then you've got uh, Ryukyu Awamori, which is mm. the awamori made in uh, Okinawa Prefecture. Right. And I, like, for instance, I'm a big fan of, for awamori, I love uh, Ikema. Mm. Ikema is on Miyakojima, one of the small islands off, of, off quite far away from the main island mm. uh, of Naha. And it's, uh, you know, they've got a couple of products like Niko Niko Taro, which you can get in many places. I love that. Funny drink. name. But Niko uh... Niko Taro. Yeah, and it's got this very memorable label. It's got this kind of ocean blue with a pink flamingo-ish type of logo on it. Mm. It's pretty memorable. Um, so that, I really like that product. I like a lot of Chuko distilleries products. Like their, their Yoka Koji is magical. That stuff is amazing. They do an extended uh, Koji production process. It's four days instead of two. Wow. Oh, it's, it's just bonkers. What the happens flavors if it's doubled? It's more... It, I, it, they see, it seems to create a lot more flavor. Mm. It's a absolutely off-the-charts flavor profile. Mm. I'm a huge fan of that drink. Um, and... Then if we move up north, we go to Kagoshima and Satsuma Jochu. There's a lot of great... That's, the, that's the, got the most distilleries of all of the prefectures. There's more than 100 distilleries in Kagoshima Prefecture. Mm. And I love a lot of the kind of small and medium guys. I'm a huge fan of Nakamura uh, Shuzo. And I'm also a big fan of Manzen. Manzen, I, I last summer at about this time, I walked all around Kagoshima City in the dead of August summer, <laughs> searching for Manazuru, any bottle shop that still had it, and they'll hide it. You know, if they only yeah. have a few bottles left, they they only want to sell it to regular customers. So I was walking all over the place looking for that stuff. I finally got a, my hands on a couple of bottles. The last two at this at mm. this shop, the last shop I checked actually. Um, I'm a big fan of that drink. Uh, Yamato Zakura is a great distillery, uh, really small That's outfit. That's from uh, the Steve Lyman That's the one he works drink. at. Yep, right. yep. Um, I love, uh, you know, oh, the one that Chuck Malone worked at, uh, Nishihira. That's a great place. They mm. do, you know. Emma uh, Amami Yeah, Sango. Island. Yeah, Sango. I love Sango. Mm. That's a great kokuto joju. Uh, I'm also a big fan of Yachiyo then. I, I know you can get a couple of their products here in New York, which I was very happy to see. Mm. And okay, moving up. Sorry, I'm trying to, I'm racing north. I'm going into Kumamoto now. And I love Jufuku. I love the Mushagaishi. Uh, I'm a fan of Fukano's uh, products. I love Kawabe, which you can get here in New York. Mm. Uh, then we're gonna go out to the island, get on our skateboard, and Iki Island. Uh, the and I, you know, Chingu Omoya Omoya Shuzo's Chingu is just a fantastic barley shochu mm. that I would drink happily uh, six days a week and twice on Sunday. Wow. Well, <laughs> twice on Sunday, I like that. <laughs> so uh, sounds like they have very diverse. Um, personal characters depending on the area as well as the distillery. So. There's very, very strong, there's a s- indelible terroir element to shochu, just as there is with any well-made product from mm. the land. And these are artisanal drinks, artisanal spirits, often small batch, that are completely linked to the earth that bore those uh, those grains or those tubers. Mm. So yeah, it's a it's a fascinating thing. They haven't really started to focus on this so much in the shochu industry, but I, I can see in the future to add value, they may start to talk about single estate, you know, grains. They may start to talk about, well, okay, these sweet potatoes came from that that field, which mm. gets an extra amount of sunlight or tends to have better drainage or whatever. That sort of thing that we see in the wine world. I think that could be coming to shochu in the future. I think it would be very interesting for the for the customer to be able to view or or understand that information mm, interesting yeah. so if uh, our listeners wants to visit 
distilleries, and is it possible? Are they open to the public? Some of them are. Um, I don't recommend that you do what I did back in 2003 <laughs> and just go knocking on doors. You might get, they might not open them. Uh, but there are some, you know, medium and larger size distilleries that are very, very accessible to the mm-hmm. public. For instance, if you go to Kagoshima City, you can go to Honbo's uh, Kagoshima facility. Mm. And that's a short cab ride from Kagoshima Chuo Shinkansen Station, the bullet train. Mm. So it's very easy to get into. And you get a good overview of how they make their drinks. You can taste, they have a fantastic tasting room. You can taste like everything they've ever made ever. Mm, wow. <laughs> yeah. So make sure you're not driving. Make sure you have somebody else taking you there and back. Uh, yeah, there's, a, there's several places like that. Mm. Um, in, in Kumamoto, then Takahashi Shuzo is set up. They've got a great uh, rice shochu museum. Wow. Now, getting to Hitoyoshi City up in the mountains, that takes a bit of doing. Mm. But once you're there, there's a, I mean, there's more than 20 distilleries hugging that river right through the center of town. It's an amazing thing. Mm. There's so much you can do and drink and learn there. So, yeah, if you ever have a chance to go to Kumamoto, the, the listeners to, of uh, Heritage, the Heritage Radio Program Network, if you have a chance, get there, stay in a nice inn, and go go enjoy some kumajochu. Mm. Yeah, you won't yeah. regret it. It's, I uh, actually happened to um, throw a seminar for producers to talk about the American market mm-hmm. and why to go. And then it happened to be the day. Um, on the evening, there's, got, there's what's called the Shochu University. Okay. And then it's just, there's no university. There's just all those producers bring their own shochu and gotcha. get drunk and have a party. Yeah. And it's amazing how passionate they are. I was yeah. so impressed. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the, the event, I got like 23 bottles of shochu. Can you please bring them back to the uh, United States? 23. And so I was like, my suitcase is going to break. <laughs> I, yeah, I, yeah. You need a, I have a special bottle suitcase, but I can only put 12 in that. So right. that must have been, that must have taken some effort. <laughs> yeah. So, but I was so fascinated by, you know, how uh, genuine and passionate they are. Yeah, and they, what they need to do moving forward is they need to get over here more often mm. to help with the education deficit. Right. They need to put more effort into to selling their products over here, mm-hmm. which I, I understand. There's a big information gap there that they don't have. They don't have the confidence to come over here and set up events. So there's, it's going to take uh, more, more, you know, more liaising by yourself, by myself, to make those things happen mm. in the future. But I think there's significant up opportunity, significant upside for this category. And I'm looking forward to the creative ideas that people like ourselves and, and the shochu makers can come up mm, with. Let's work hard on it. Yeah, let's do it. Hey. Okay, and uh, we're going to take a quick break here. So when we come back, we'll talk about uh, how to drink shochu and aomori and where to drink them too. So please stay with us. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. Corin is proud of their Japanese culture and traditions, but they want you to know that their products are not just for Japanese restaurants. Their knives and tableware bring out the best qualities of food from every culture and fit into every restaurant, from French to Pan-Asian to American. And that is why they're located in New York City, where people from every country in the world come to eat. Corin's unique store in Lower Manhattan is home to perhaps the most extensive collection of Japanese chef knives in the world, including Japan, plus the rarest natural sharpening stones and exquisitely designed tableware. They also host special events such as knife sharpening demonstrations and parties with New York's most famous chefs and restaurateurs. Corin is dedicated to this ideal, bringing the implicit and elegance of Japanese culture to your table, be it in your home or in the finest restaurant. For more information, visit corin.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Japanese Broadcasting Live from a studio in Bushwick, Brooklyn. I'm your host, Akiko Katayama, and my guest today is Christopher Pellegrini, who is one of the few global shochu awamori experts based in Tokyo. And he is also the author of the Shochu Handbook, which is the first book about shochu and awamori written in a language other than Japanese. 
So um, what's the best way to drink shochu? Oh, that's a great question. And the answer is going to be a little bit disappointing. It's, it's however you like it. Oh. Uh, <laughs> there's not a pretentious bone in shochu's body, so there's no really strong rules. Mm. Uh, I tend to drink shochu, and this is going to surprise a lot of people. I mix it with hot water. Mm. All right, especially sweet potato shochu. And yes, I do that in the summer. I've been going to different shochu bars around uh, Manhattan uh, over the past few days, and I always order oyuari, which is a mm. hot water mix. And people are like, really? You realize it's summer, right? And I'm like, hey, this kicks up the aroma more. There's a lot more sweetness in the, in the bouquet. Uh, it really accentuates quite nicely the balance between the earthiness and the sweetness. I just love it. So mm. that's, that's a traditional way to enjoy shochu, but it's also fine to to drop some rocks in it. On mm. the rocks is a very popular way. Right. So considering the high alcohol uh, percentage than, you know, wine or something like that. Certainly. So it's, uh, you know, say sake is 17, 18% alcohol. Sure. And it's, say it's uh, 25 to 30% of alcohol. Yeah. So how much, I mean, it depends on, you know, your preference, but mm. when you make oyuari, what kind of temperature will you, like hot water, and uh, how much do you dilute? I usually, I usually mix it at three to two with shochu on the three side. Mm. And so the first thing that I do is I, I just use a T-fall electric kettle because it's fast. And I heat up the water and I let it cool down for about 30 seconds to a minute before I pour it. And when you pour it into the cup at that point, it's going to be close to about, it's going to be close to 80 degrees Celsius. I'm sorry, I'm totally on the metric system now. And this is so <laughs> unhelpful to people. Okay. Uh, 30 degrees is what? It's about 30... Oh, I'm sorry. 80 degrees is... Uh, carry the two. Okay. 80 is uh, 100 and... What? 140 something? I can't remember. I'm sorry. Something this is not very like help, not helpful at all. <laughs> okay. Anyways, the key point is that you have to get it down below 78 degrees because 78 degrees is the temperature at which alcohol will evaporate. Mm. All right. So if you put it in there too hot, if mm -hmm. you mix the alcohol in there at a very hot temperature, guess what? You're losing alcohol. Mm. It's going into the clouds. It's it's you know, right. it's it going or it's going to the ceiling. Mm. Uh, so I let it sit for a couple of moments in the glass until it's settled down below that boiling point, and that's quite hot. So mm. when you touch the cup, it should burn your hand within a couple of seconds. Mm. Okay. Then I add uh, the shochu second. Huh. Shochu goes in second when you're mixing it hot because it's more evenly mixed. Because it will because the shochu is room temperature. And it's good to heat the cup up first because it'll keep the heat better. Mm. Also, it's nice because because of convection, it'll mix itself naturally. Right. Okay, so you don't need to mix, you don't need to stir it or anything. Mm. And I I just I don't know. That's how I do it. That's how most people do it. It just tastes good that way. Mm. And yeah, so that's my that's my method. And then usually I come out with something. What's my shochu is is still above a hundred degrees. It's still quite warm. Maybe a hundred above one hundred and ten degrees when I'm ready to drink it, mm. and it's fantastic. Mm. Wow, yeah, I like uh, you know this on the rocks. Mm -hmm. That's I really like the idea because you can just change uh, the dilution level of dilution just a depending little bit. on how yeah. many you know, right. ice you can add. And then there's mizuwadi as well, so it's rocks plus some water. Mm. Again, three to two would be good. Um, if you're mixing a mizuwadi drink, then when it's cold, um, then you pour the shochu first, mm -hmm. then add the water second. Right. Uh, so three to two, water three to. Uh, no, I would. Well, you know, it's everybody's own preference, mm. but I tend to go three for shochu. Okay. Now, if the alcohol percentage is higher, if for example you have a genshu that's mm. between thirty-seven and forty-three percent, then okay, maybe you switch them and you go. Mm. Uh, you would mix it two three, right. so two parts shochu and three parts water. Mm. Okay, and uh, is this the same with awamori too? Yes, it is. Uh, the most common styles for drinking awamori are certainly rocks, and probably even more commonly is with water, so mizuari. Mm. And awamori tends to have a bit more alcohol in it. Uh, it's not 40%. Mm. It's, not, it's not like your whiskeys and your gins and your vodkas. But still, it's, it can be up there. 30% is enough that you do, necess you do definitely need to sip. You need mm. to drink responsibly. <laughs> and it, it, is, uh, it really is a sipping drink. Shochu is not a shooting drink. Mm, for it's, sure. It's not for taking <laughs> shots. Uh, so this, that's important to understand. It's, it's a type of drink that, while it does have more alcohol than wine or sake, mm. if you're watering it down, you're bringing it down. I mean, three to two mixture is 
if I go three to two with a 25% alcohol shochu, that's bringing, bringing it down to 17.5% uh, alcohol. Mm -hmm. That's like a full-bodied red wine. Right? Totally. So right. you can drink about the same amount as you would with wine. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that a lot of uh, consumers don't understand. 25% can be really confusing. Because it's like, mm. okay, I don't, I don't even really know how much of this I can have, right. right? Oh, it's a spirit. Oh, no, that sounds dangerous. Well, not really. Uh, it, it, depending on how you mix it, it's going to allow you to go a little bit longer than you would with a normal spirit, uh, mm. a foolproof spirit. Right. And also, as you go, you can add uh, extra water, sure. ice. So you yep. can just always play. Add soda if you want. Soda water is nice for a spritzer. Uh, you know, there's, especially in New York, there's a lot of cocktails and chuhai that are being made, uh, which is actually more creative than folks in Tokyo get with shochu. Mm. They tend to just do the standard styles. But right. yeah, I mean, there's really a lot of different ways that you can serve it mm. and enjoy it. And right. in terms of vessel, in terms of the cup, again, no rules. I, at home, I have a lot of the nice pottery that is uh, produced in southern Japan, like Aritayaki, for example, from Saga Prefecture. I've got a lot of nice shochu tumblers from them. But you can use, you know, short-stemmed wine glasses. Mm. That's a great way to enjoy it. Right. Yeah, sometimes I, I like wine, but sometimes, you know, when it's hot or something, sugar in wine hits me. Okay. So I switch to shochu with the cool, you there know, you go. the glass. I like it. And uh, some uh, ice cubes. Yep, sure. Right. Having so. ice in your drink is always nice in, in August. Mm. especially yeah and if it's too hot you're not capable of digesting alcohol as much so you can just dilute it more that kind of yep, thing yeah absolutely right and also the good thing about shochu is um and uh, you know once you open it you can leave it forever that's right as long as it's not light struck keep it out of the light it'll be fine right. that's right now it, having said that some of the genshus out there those are a little bit less stable because they've got so much they haven't been filtered mm, uh, or okay. sorry not not genshu i'm sorry like the muroka right. the unfiltered or the very very lightly filtered products those still have some uh a lot of you know oils from the distillation process that they're not going to make it go bad, but they, they can alter the taste over time. Mm. So while that, that can be, you know, that can be really, really good or it can be kind of interesting or maybe in some cases it might be like, oh, I don't like it quite as much anymore. So mm. maybe be careful with the unfiltered stuff. But the regular, the standard shochu and awamori, yeah, you can open it and leave it on the, on the shelf for years. Mm, right. And also it's a... Uh and shochu and awamori are very food friendly too. They're extremely food friendly. Right. And this is very strange for us in, in America, isn't it? Mm, because you can drink like wine, right? With alcohol Absolutely. level, yeah. you can adjust. Mm -hmm. So that's another benefit. Of it's great. Shochu. Before, during, after a meal. That's how people in Japan enjoy it. So yeah, absolutely. Mm. And, uh, you know, shochu revived its popularity uh, in Japan a while ago. It used to be like old man's drink, yeah. but uh, it became popular again. So maybe you can just give us a brief history of how shochu market in Japan became okay. like Sure, you know, sure, sure, revived. sure. Right, yeah, I'm, you are completely correct. There was a long time when uh, shochu really was not, not a mass market. Not sexy. Uh, not sexy, <laughs> it was very unsexy drink. And that's partly because it was not made particularly well for a number of decades. It was, it was a really roughly produced product that was almost entirely consumed on Kyushu Island. Mm. And it wasn't until about the 1970s when Ichiko came out, this is a product that we can easily get in New York, and that people started to see, wow, this is a really smooth, nicely balanced shochu. And that started to get people interested in it. And that helped it to spread a little bit more, and, and word of, of shochu's uh, quality started to come around. Uh, this continued through the 80s. Hyakunen um, no Kodoku. Uh, mm. The Hundred Years of Solitude. That's an amazing bottle of barley shochu from Kuroki Honten in Miyazaki Prefecture. Mm. And that that continued to spread to, you know, that any any whiskey drinker smells that and they're like, oh yeah, I want a lot of that. Mm. And it's incredibly popular everywhere it goes. And you can get that here as well. Uh, that really turned people's heads. And around 2003, so we're, we're fast forwarding a little bit, but... Starting in 2003, shochu actually started to outsell sake in Japan, mm. which most people still don't realize. Most mm. people in Japan have no idea that there is so much shochu being consumed. And it's amazing, too, because it's a much higher alcohol percentage. Not much. It's a bit higher. Usually higher alcohol percentages, you don't move as much product, right? 
That's why beer is always the best-selling product out there because we can consume so much more of it in one sitting. But even so, shochu and awamori combined together are outselling sake in their in their home market. Well, I think another sideline is you know the highball, which is that certainly helps. Now that's korui shochu, right? And that's about forty-five percent of shochu production every year. Now that's not what I'm talking about at all because korui shochu is. Essentially, like a vodka, it's a neutral mm, spirit. Right. It doesn't have any sweeteners. Nothing like not like so, Korean soju is a is like a vodka that's been sweetened mm. a little bit. And uh, so, korui shochu is basically a yeah, it's a cocktail backbone. I would right. say you know we mm. use it to make chew highs. Yeah, right. so the izakaya make, cheap and you know. re, it's really really important right. for the operation of an izakaya or a bar. Mm-hmm. However, even though it's forty five percent. That's nothing compared to if you compare it with the sake industry. You know what is what is futsushu? That's that's more than seventy percent of the sake market, mm-hmm. right? And futsushu is made with tons of brewer's alcohol, which is in many cases right. uh, so futsushu is just regular, yeah. and then yeah. versus seishu, seishu and there's is no, higher. Futsushu just doesn't have any rules for how much. You know, right. you can put extra enzymes in there to increase umami. <laughs> you can add all sorts of it's stuff like in there. It's like wine. It kind of is, right. but that's like that's like uh, more than seventy percent of the product. So, mm. or of the whole category of sake. So, yeah, even when you compare it that way, I mean, Hongkak shochu is definitely pulling its weight. Mm. So, in other words, uh, I think the the market started to recognize how premium shochu can be. That's versus right, and that time. was also thanks a lot to the shochu makers themselves who started making better product. Mm. The ingredients got better in the seventies and eighties. The the technology got better in the seventies and eighties. And it made a huge difference. And now, actually, you know, all the the old stigma with the stinky sweet potato shochu and your grandfather drinking it, and it just smells up the whole house. They don't really make those shochus anymore. As much as I would love to try them, mm. they've largely disappeared. Right. All of the the so called imokusai shochu mm. is actually not that stinky. In, mm. Imokusai means stinks of sweet potato, right. uh, and they're just they're just more balanced now. They're, mm. they're a lot. They're smoother than they used to be. They don't growl at you when when you drink mm. them, and you know I think that's mostly good because it's much more accessible for consumers. At the same time, I do kind of miss that old style. <laughs> I wish somebody was still making it, but mm. it doesn't really exist. Well, anymore. maybe that's another project you're going to open. There you go. Distillery. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, by the way, where do you drink shochu in Japan? Like, do you have uh, recommended bars or restaurants? Absolutely. Uh, you know, I'm I'm in Kyushu a couple times a month, so Kyushu is your best bet, right? Mm. Fukuoka City, uh, Kumamoto City, Kagoshima City is amazing. Mm. Uh, there's just so many good bars. And izakaya that have immense shochu selections, as you can imagine. Uh, for instance, uh, there's a there's a bar in Kagoshima City called Ishizue, and they only carry shochu from Kagoshima, which includes kokuto shochu from the Amami Islands. Mm. And I think they have more than a thousand brands. Oh, wow! Yeah, and it's just completely educational. The master of that bar actually used to be a kurabito for Satasoji. So he's just an expert on everything. I learned so much from him. Mm. Uh, in Tokyo, if you're going to be in Tokyo, then I would highly recommend... Uh, well, there's a, there's a fun place called Shochu Zanmai, mm. which I've done tastings at before. That place is a little bit dangerous because it's an all-you-can-drink shochu bar. And it's, it's basically... There's no, there's no wait staff, so you just grab the bottles yourself. <laughs> so you have to pace yourself. Bring, mm. And you're allowed to bring food in, too, which is really cool. Oh so God. you bring your own food, have a picnic, whatever. You could order pizza and have it delivered. doesn't matter. And then go and pour your own drinks. Wow. Um, and they've got more than 300 varieties there. So there's a lot of discovery and education that can happen. Mm. Um, and so that's a fun one. That's in Ikebukuro, the Ikebukuro district in Tokyo. Mm. Uh, let it's me, really let, close. I mean, within the center. Very, so. very easy. Very yeah. accessible. Mm. Um, and let me... One more, maybe? Yeah, Yeah, sure. one more. Uh, let's see. I also am a big fan of uh, Tokuri in, in Shinjuku. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I like that place is because their menu is very uh, just friendly to the consumer, uh, to the customer. Mm-hmm. It, it ha- clearly depicts... It has... a. It has little pictures of how to enjoy these different types of shochu. And even if you can't read Japanese, you can still kind of figure it out. Mm, so it's tokuri. So T-O-K-K-U. That's right. R-I. That's right. Yes. And the other one is shochu zanmai. Zanmai, yes. Okay. And so you 
conduct shochan awamori seminars and tastings in Japan and abroad, right? Yes. So, what's your motivation? What's your objective to do those seminars? What's my motivation? Yeah, I'm not selling shochu as much as, and that surprises a lot of people. I'm not a bartender either. It's, I mean, I'm not selling drinks either. I'm just incredibly excited about these, these drinks. And they've been around for about 600 years. This is not a new trend or anything. You know,、mm. this is an old tradition. And I was shocked that it, these drinks were unknown outside of Japan. And they largely still are. And、I've, I always say it's Japan's best kept secret.、Mm. They, they really are. It's just this huge part of Japanese culture that is largely taken for granted. And it's going to be very popular. Everywhere around the world, I believe. So I just wanted people to know about it. I wanted people to be aware of it. And that was my main motivation.、Mm, right. And、uh, so you do consulting too, right? For izakaya or restaurants. And、um, so who and where are your clients so far?、Uh, I am consulting on both sides of the Pacific Ocean. <coughs> Excuse me.、Uh, So, I have clients from the United States who are trying to either source product in Japan or they're trying to create a personal brand of some sort. And I link them with potential producers、mm. and also help them with、uh, focusing their, their marketing and branding ideas in some cases and try to help them avoid some of the mistakes that I've seen happen in the past.、Mm. There have been a number of, of projects that I've assisted with that, for what, one reason or another, the investor wasn't happy with. How it was going, and they pulled the plug.、Uh, other places have tried and、mm. had varying degrees of success. But,、uh, anyways, that's what largely happens with、uh, my clients on the, on the US side. On the Japan side, I'm consulting with the producers and the different guilds and associations, trying to help them focus their energies and target specific markets that I think have significant upside.、Mm. And also, you know, talking about everything from、uh, label design to,、uh, you know, Export channel selection,、mm. and that's something that I do intense research on. And you know, just giving them some ideas of okay, this is what happens to your shochu after it leaves the exporter in Japan. And this, these are they don't really have a lot of control in,、mm. in America's three tiered system, but you know, here are some of the ways that you can help the people who eventually buy your product to sell it and market it and、right. that sort of thing. Because without someone like you, you it's, it's hard to imagine, you know, once like in the middle of the you know. Satsuma area or some, somewhere, you don't know what's going to happen in the market. Yeah, And then the English,、yeah. you know, the language barrier、yeah. too. So that's、It's、great. It's really tough, yes.、Mm, but do you see a demand、um, increasing outside Japan for shochu? Little by little, yes. I mean, until, I mean, I guess we can still say that China is the largest market for Japanese shochu outside of Japan, but the, the Chinese market is actually incredibly unstable from year to year.、Mm. Uh, obviously, political considerations can affect sales. Uh, the American market, even though it's not been growing at any great clip, has seen steady growth.、Mm. And I think before too long, we're going to see some huge spikes in metropolitan areas. I'm talking Chicago, I'm talking New York.、Uh, I think we've got potential on the West Coast, of course, in a few different cities. And I think people are going to really start to, to look at these products as, especially bartenders, are going to see them and think, whoa. I can do some amazing new cocktail with this. Maybe I'm going to win a competition.、Mm. Uh, so, yes, I do see a little bit of growth recently, and I think it's going to ramp up rather quickly over the next five years.、Mm. See what happens. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Right. And、uh, so, I heard also that you are a contributor to the upcoming Oxford Companion to Spirits and Cocktails. And it、uh, sounds like Shoji is getting substantial. Attention globally to have、uh, some pages there. That's right. Yeah, I was very gratified to hear that they wanted to include it, but they're including everything. I mean, this is a fat book,、mm. it's going to have everything. So,、uh, yeah, I, I, wrote some, I wrote the sections related to shochu and awamori.、Mm. Yeah. And、uh, actually, I'm not entirely sure when that's going to be published, but it's being edited by the、uh, wonderful David Wondrich, who is a、mm. cocktail historian and just all around. Fun guy, and so that it, it'll be coming out before too too long, I believe.、Mm, okay, so keep me posted. I will. 
And uh, so you have a great website with uh, a mutual friend, Stephen Lyman, called mm-hmm. uh, shochu.pro. Mm-hmm. So what is it and uh, what can uh, listeners find on the website? Yeah, that one's uh, just an overview of some of the events that are happening related to shochu, not only in Japan, but also abroad. Mm-hmm. Uh, just trying to give out general information. And that's one of the main goals of my entire existence is just to increase the amount of information about shochu and awamori that exists. There's still a paucity of information and that needs to change because i mean consumers there's just too much risk for com- consumers when they go to a supermarket and they see shochu on the shelf and it has a tiny little vague shelf talker they look it up in their phone all the information about that product is in japanese it's just they're gonna they're gonna buy something they know mm. right so i'm trying to slowly fight against that with these types of website postings mm. shochu.pro being one of them Also, writing for other publications. I write a magazine called Jipangu. One edition every year is dedicated purely to shochu.、Mm. Uh, the next one will be, will be coming out in November. Okay, great. And,、uh, so, and I just heard that you started a PhD program. Yeah, because I have so much free time.、Mm. Uh, <laughs> so I started a PhD at Kagoshima National、mm. University. Oh, but, but you, your day job outside this shochu. I'm、business. also a university professor, I teach research. <laughs> Yeah, so,、uh, yeah, and I do acting, and you know, and、right. uh, man, yeah, so I started a PhD in 2017. It's、uh, the fancy name, the official name for it is、uh, Global and Regional Bioresource Economics,、mm. which is a really fancy way of saying that I'm in over my head, essentially, because it's, you know, a lot of the coursework is in Japanese. And my dissertation my, will be in English. They've asked that I do it in English, and that was kind of the deal sealer there.、Mm. But basically, my, sh- my、uh, PhD is all about shochu export and marketing,、mm. uh, shochu export channel selection and maintenance, and, which is part of the reason why I'm here right now. I am,、uh, with some of my time, I'm in- interviewing everybody along the su- supply chain from producer to consumer. Of shochu and awamori. So、mm. I've, been inter- I've been interviewing、uh, importers and I've been interviewing distributors and I've been interviewing point of sale places and、uh, beverage directors and bartenders and then, of course, the consumers. I've done a few tastings. I did a really, really fun tasting at the Airbnb headquarters in, in San Francisco、uh, last week. Tons of fun.、Mm. And、uh, hopefully, I'll be able to do more of these in the future to gauge. People's reactions to these、mm, drinks. Right. That's going to be a benchmark for both sides of、uh, the business in different continents, right? Yes. Wow. So I can't wait to read the whole thing. When oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. It is killing me slowly. They say, you know, I, I have mad respect for all people who, who research or study something intensively. And I have even more respect for people who survive their PhD. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm,、uh, yeah, I'm, I'm working through it. Uh, I have a fantastic、uh, academic advisor, and you know, he's been very, very helpful at bumping me in the right direction at, at, at every turn.、Mm. So we'll see. We'll see. I mean, at, at the very least, I'm learning a lot about you know, the choices that people make regarding shochu and any other drink, really. I mean, the, the market is not r- at all rational. And、mm. this is really, really important for people to understand. Uh, shochu makers can't just come over here for a three day event, put their drinks out there, and hey, it's good, drink it, and please keep <laughs> buying it. It's just not going to work that way, right? right? So,、totally. that's, these are the things I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to find little hints and clues that I might be able to relay to the,、mm. to the shochu makers and the awamori makers to help them be more successful in the future. Right. So, that's the little, little hints. That's what they need. Yeah, they, yeah, they need a lot of little hints, I believe.、Right. Yes.、Mm. Okay. Um, so,、uh, where is the best place to find your updates and information? I'm pretty dedicated to、uh, talking to anyone who will listen about Shoju and Awamori on Twitter and Instagram. Okay. So, you can find me on Twitter at Chris, Pel- at Chris Pellegrini. You can find me on Instagram as Christopher Pellegrini.、Um, I couldn't fit my whole name on Twitter, so that's why it's truncated.、Uh, and I also, of course, I'm on Shochu Pro. I plan to do a bit of writing on kampai.us, which is Stephen Lyman's website.、Mm. And、uh, then, you know, also hopefully writing for other publications about Shochu, whether it's、uh, newspapers or magazines. But yeah, I would say the easiest way to both、uh, hear more about these drinks and maybe even get in touch with me would be Twitter or Instagram. Perfect. Okay. So、uh, good luck. Thank you very much. <laughs>、uh, all right. And.、Uh, Yeah, so please keep me posted on that you know, dissertation. I really、okay. want to 
you know, want you to come back to talk about Thank it. Thank you very much. Done. Okay. All right. So, listeners, uh, if you have any questions or comments about the show or suggestions for show topics or guests, please contact us at japaneeds.heritageradio.org or kikokatayama.com. And Japan Needs is live at 3 p.m. on Mondays and always available at heritageradionetwork.org, iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as a podcast. And our engineer today is David Tadashore, and thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.